Introducing the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author Christine Carlson. With 25 million copies in print, learn how the Don't Sweat wisdom can help you achieve greater mental health and better communication with your family, friends, and coworkers from a beloved teacher. Rediscover your passion, joy, and self-compassion to awaken your most vibrant life. Listen in now for the Practicing Happiness series featuring Christine's interviews with experts in the art and science of happiness and discover how you can master life in a way that will help you fulfill your human potential. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with Christine Carlson. Before we begin, let's go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, just sit comfortably in your chair with your hands open on your lap and your legs uncrossed. Or if you're sitting on the ground, just sit Indian style. But keep your shoulders back and your head upright so that you can breathe really deeply. So let's begin by taking some deep breaths together. As you breathe in through your nose, allow your chest and your belly to expand, taking in the maximum amount of oxygen. And as you exhale, just exhale, letting go very deeply, even letting a sigh out. And as you take in your next deep breath, breathe in deeply, breathing in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to the tip of your head, all the way through your core, to your toes, to your fingers. And allow yourself to fill up with golden sunlight and then just exhale, letting go. Relax deeper. This time as you breathe in, breathe in love. Feeling love all the way through the core of your being to the tips of your fingers and toes. Pure love. And exhale, relaxing deeper. And this time as you breathe in, breathing in golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment in gratitude, just thinking of something somebody recently said to you, something that happened, just even being grateful for being right here, right now. And as you breathe in that gratitude, let it be a bursting celebration for yourself, a celebration of just feeling so grateful for being alive. And as you exhale, let go. And this time as you breathe in, Just breathe in deeply, exhaling and opening your eyes. Well, I am so excited because um, we have a very special guest, very, very special guest on our um, Practicing Happiness series today. And I had the pleasure of meeting um, Sean Acor and his lovely wife, Michelle Gilan, who you've already heard from on this series. And um, 
they are just two of the kindest, nicest people you could ever meet. And they have the most adorable son, Leo. And we were so, so blessed to meet Sean and Michelle and spend some time with them. Um, and I'm just going to read his bio now. He has such an incredible bio. But I think after you hear him and you hear our conversation, you're just not only going to be smacked by his bio, but you're just going to be as in love with him as I am. And with Michelle, they're just quite the couple, quite the powerhouse, actually. So after spending 12 years at Harvard University, Sean Acor has become one of the world's leading experts on the connection between happiness and success. His research on mindset made the cover of Harvard Business Review. His TED Talk is one of the most popular of all time with over 13 million views. And his lecture airing on PBS, produced by Michelle, has been seen by millions. Sean has lectured or worked with over a third of the Fortune 100 companies, as well as the NFL, the NBA, the Pentagon, and the White House. Sean is the author of New York Times bestselling books, The Happiness Advantage, and Before Happiness. He has now lectured in more than 50 countries, speaking to CEOs in China, doctors in Dubai, school children in South Africa, and farmers in Zimbabwe. His Happiness Advantage training is one of the largest and most successful positive psychology corporate training programs in the world. And Sean's research has been published in the top psychology journal for work, the work he did at UBS in partnership with Yale University to transform how stress impacts the body. And he recently did a two-hour interview with Oprah at her house to discuss his mission to bring positive psychology to the world. Welcome, Sean Acor. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I was looking forward to this. Yay! I know we had that was such, such a kind introduction. Oh my gosh! What what a what a um, wonderful body of work that you have begun in this world. And honestly, it, it when I first um, when I first you know started like reading all the kind of like the the new spin on science and you know happiness and everything i was like what is all this stuff and and then you know your books have really been there first of all your writing style is so easy to read and you really bring it to a place like bring all this science and research you know we always used to think of it like the geeking out but it really isn't that you bring it to a place where just anybody can understand it and apply it and you know i just want to begin by um asking you like what is your definition of happiness because i know what it is but i want you to say it yeah i think the definition is different for so many people i mean i i've been blessed to get to travel so much over the past 10 years as i've done this research it's been now more than 50 countries and i, I think that what i love about that experience is that you do see that there's such a varied experience in terms of how people think about happiness but I think some definitions serve people better than others. So for example, if someone thinks about happiness as pleasure, um, that's a very short-lived happiness and it's one that you get used to and then you need more of. Um, so the definition I loved came from the ancient Greeks and it's the definition I use in my research, which is happiness is the joy you feel moving towards your potential. Mm -hmm. And I love this definition, the joy you feel moving towards your potential because joy is something you can experience even when life is not pleasurable, even when things are not going well, or your your legs are burning on long run, or you're in the midst of childbirth. But you can also 
it's also joy is connected to growth as well. And it's not growth like in terms of money or even success. It's, it's growth towards our potential, our potential as a human being, as a parent, as a lover, as a, you know, a poet, as a reader. And so I think what I love about this definition is it wasn't pleasure and it wasn't stagnating, but rather it was this joy that infuses your life that helps you become more of who you are. I love that too, because it applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. It applies to absolutely everyone. It could apply to a two-year-old. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Right? They, they feel so much joy moving towards their potential. Yeah. So excited when he does small little, seemingly small things. But for him, it's like it brightens his day. And I, I want to take on that same type of joy and celebrate successes as much as he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then my next question would be that I just want you to just kind of um, just do your, go do your thing about like, what are the happiness advantages? I'm just going to be quiet and just let you talk. Because <laughs> I think it's so important for people, you know, happiness can be such a, for some people who don't, who, who feel like happiness is a stretch, you know, um, it's good for people to know like, why you, pers- like, why do you pursue happiness or why, why is it a, a state of mind that is, is desirable and, and what are the advantages of, of for the happy people have? Um, well, so that's, that's the core of my research, which is I look to see how the, a positive brain interacts differently with the world. Um, and so many people um, think of happiness as soft or that happiness, you know, is something that happens maybe off in the future, happens occasionally, but the human brain is designed to work best at positive. And what we find is that your creativity triples when your brain is positive. I love this one because I always thought it was the the dark, brooding people who are the deep, creative ones. And it turns out, <laughs> turns out it's actually the people full of joy that are able to connect to people. They're able to make connections that other people don't. I think, uh, you know, there's fantastic examples of this all over. You're one of those people. Uh, one of my favorite people is Elizabeth Gilbert. And mm. she has a whole article in in her whole chapter in her book, Big Magic. And it's all about how she thinks that one thing that holds back artists and musicians is this idea that you have to suffer for your work instead of the work actually being joy. And that's what the science shows. Your creativity triples, your energy rises by 31%. Likelihood of living to age 94 rises by 39%. Likelihood of promotion rises by 40%. Your, the negative effects of stress drop by 23%, sales rise by 37%. So it, what we're seeing over and over again is that when the human brain is positive, you have a unique and competitive and you know important advantage over your life when it's negative, neutral, or stressed. Um, so why I think that's so important is that I think that when we realize that it's something valuable to have while we're working, while we're parenting, while we're exercising, um, it becomes uh, a prerequisite and uh, a primary concern instead of something that happens after we are successful. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. And and so, like, what do you say to the person that is like they err on the negative side? You know, like what what how do you how do you coach them? How do you teach them that they can make those changes in their lives? Um. The first thing is to help them see that, you know, this is actually working out for you. Because I think a lot of pessimism is a a learned skill. You saw at one point that your behavior didn't matter. So you stopped trying. 
or you think it's easier to not have high expectations. Um, but what we find is that if you only prepare for escape or prepare for failure, you're never preparing for success in your life. And so what we want people to do is first think to themselves, is this actually working out for me? When I'm pessimistic and negative with other people or constantly complaining, does that actually serve me? And most of the times that they could see very quickly it's not, but then the question becomes, can I change? Maybe it's my genes or I've just gone through a very dark period of my life or um, you know, maybe like I, it's hard to be positive when I'm surrounded by all these negative people. So that's where I think all this research becomes so important. Um, because what we've seen is instead of it being one person like me saying, oh, you can be positive. What we can show you is here is here's examples where we found you're you're significantly more likely to become positive or that you can or you could take a four-year-old child with potentially genes for pessimism and turn them into a, a lifelong optimist by simply getting them to practice thinking of three things they're grateful for for a continued a period of time. Or we've been able to find 84-year-old men who had practiced pessimism their whole life that by practicing gratitude exercises, 21 days later, we're testing as low-level optimist, which was an extraordinary change in your life. So what I think all this research proves, and we could go through all of it, but to summarize it, to make it helpful, I think a decade of research now proves that you no longer have to be your genes and your environment, that by making small changes to your conscious habits, we've actually been able to dramatically raise not only people's levels of optimism, but their happiness, and do that in almost every environment in the midst of refugee displacement, in the midst of natural disaster, in the midst of losing a job, in the midst of uh, losing an arm, in the midst of cancer. We've seen it in the most difficult places. And if they can choose happiness and it's possible, let's find some ways to stack the deck in your favor so that we can make you positive as well. That's really beautiful. And I, I, I like that you talk about doing this amidst adversity as well, because I know in my own experience, it was one of the life practices, and quite frankly, I mean, I didn't even realize I was doing it when I was in grief, but even amidst like the worst grief of my life and my loss, I, I had this ability to sort of be very present, moment-oriented, and also look for, like, I just vacillated toward the joyful moments of my life because that was actually what carried me through the worst moments of my life, was being able to make that momentary shift in the present moment and not be thinking about like what am I going through but really looking for the ways to be in joy even amidst adversity and I, I know that that was one of the ways that I was really resilient in in my process of grieving so I, I, I really think that this is so powerful for people to um, really grasp that it isn't like it isn't like like life for all of us is is easy all the time that that's not what makes it happy it's like that moment of mindset choice that you have in order to have the perspective and and practice it even amidst the hard times in your life and that's when it becomes really powerful because it's super easy to be happy when things are rolling along really well right <laughs> yeah exactly that's one of the things that i try to impress upon people is that Happiness in good times is almost a luxury item, but in in dark times, that's that's when we need that that reminder that hope is possible, and that you know that happiness can be a choice, and that when we're that 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 happiness remains you know a viable option for us. Because um, I you know I went through 
depression for two years and you kind of forget that you could be happy again. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that what I love about this research is it, it continually reminds you that change is possible. Yes, and I, I think that's what is so powerful, you know, for all human beings, for sure. It's, it's, it's that piece of hope that you're speaking to. Um, so let's, let's go, let's talk about your research on, on before happiness, because I'm really interested in that too. Like, like how, how does, because I know that's true that there's like this sort of, I look at it like this sort of fork in the road. It's sort of like every moment, Every time there's something that's annoying, every time there's some small thing that happens that you can sweat or not sweat, you know, it really is a choice, isn't it? That's that's right. Um, like, I, I think that it's the choice that, that, to me, is the most important part, right, is that given the options that you have within your life right now, are you able to, to make the practices and mindset shift to be able to do that? And I think deep down, it starts with the belief that change is possible in the first place. I think part of the reason people don't choose happiness um, is partly they don't think that it's possible, you know, given what they're experiencing. So they keep waiting for life to change around them. Um, what I love about some of the research we were doing on stress, which I, I think is is something that's so prevalent within our society, is we found that that you know, while stress was inevitable within our lives, its effects upon us were not. And what we realized was that embedded within every stress is meaning. So, you know, if I tell you your inbox is full of spam, you don't feel any stress. But if I tell you it's full of people you really want to get back to or people you need to get back to to put, you know, food on the table for your family, then you feel stress partly because there's meaning involved with that. Mm. So when you help people to reconnect the emotional response that they feel from stress, like that cortisol uh, release, the, the fact that their body's feeling this tension, if you can reconnect that tension back to the meaning instead of it having it be meaningless, we found in a study that was published in the top psychology journal that you have a 23% drop in headaches, backaches, fatigue, and lower energy simply by reconnecting to the meaning that's there. So now when I'm emailing, it's not like, oh, this is a threat to my happiness. I'm having to email again. It's this is integral to my happiness because there's meaning involved with this. And I find that the work gets done faster. I find that I'm able to connect to people more. So I think part of why the reason I wrote Before Happiness was that uh, I think that there are multiple realities possible at any moment. It, there is a reality in which, you know, you screwed up a ton in your life and there's been lots of failure and you didn't end up exactly like you want to. And, you know, and things aren't going perfectly today and you can list all of those. Um, but there's also a reality in which we're breathing and we are connected and we had a family and we have experienced love within our life and we have a choice right now to choose happiness and we have the power to change somebody else's life. And I think that in the midst of multiple realities, finding the most valuable one for you, the one that fills you with joy and that moves you forward, if we have that choice, we should take it. Mm. That's so powerful, you know, in the midst of many realities. I love that. Um, something that's always stuck out for me that I've quoted you on many times is the piece of research that there's 11 million, what did you call it, pieces of information that we're exposed to every... Every second. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Your brain has... Yeah, every second. <laughs> it's uh, Yeah. And I love that. I love what you say because um, then... It's like, it must be your reticular activating system. I learned that one from Kim. 
<laughs> that allows you to see only like what did you say 40 40 pieces yep so we can we can process about 40 bits of information but we get 11 million every second so if your brain feels overwhelmed the natural response is you know well first of all that means you're only processing a few snowflakes yeah. in the midst of a blizzard right but right. The, if that's true Maybe instead of just focusing on the negative ones, I mean, which is what, as as Michelle mentioned, that's what we do with the news, right? Like yeah, when you're, yeah. you're like, okay, I only have a limited amount of time. Just tell me the worst things going on, you know, <laughs> instead like, okay, I only have a limited amount of time on this earth. Tell me the things that are going to fuel me to make a better world for everyone. And I think that that, that sense of like, okay, what am I going to use my precious finite resources on today? You know what? I was just talking to Michelle about this this morning. I, uh, there was a negative article that was written that included me in it talking about why, you know, happiness is a fad and, you know, you shouldn't talk about happiness at companies. And I read through it. And so I was like, I'm not going to read it. And then I pulled it out of the trash in my email and I read it. And, you know, I, I, I think he's completely wrong. And I think he hadn't thought things out fully. Um, and I felt compassion for him. But I then thought about him all the time. I was in the shower this morning thinking of responses to this guy. And, <laughs> you know, and I was like, and so what I, what I realized was, and this is the part I want to bring it back to, is that I spent time reading this guy's email or this guy's article. And I spent time, my entire shower, thinking about responses to this guy and how good I'd feel if I had said them. Right. right. And I did not read four, five, six emails that came through or nice post on Facebook that people wrote in or, you know, like I didn't even take the time to read the positive ones. I went right for the negative one. And I know from my research, that's exactly what I shouldn't have done. And I told Michelle, I was like, I have so limited resources. I could have spent that whole shower thinking of creative ways to help other people. Right. And so right. I think that's what I want is I know my life is finite. I know my brain is finite. I'm going to make sure I'm focusing on the things that move me forward. Instead of, you know, focusing, there's tons of things we could be afraid of all the time. Everything from terrorism to, you know, salmonella to, you know, killer bees. And I, I, I can worry about that all the time, or I can worry about that 1% of the time and spend 99% of it loving the world and making it a better place. Yeah. And that's so powerful. And also keeping in mind that a lot of these, um, uh, reporters and, and people that understand online, they know that they're going to, if they write the one negative piece, it's going to get a lot of attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, You're right. yeah. You're so right. Yeah, it's going to get a lot of attention because it's just, it's just the nature of the beast right now. But I think what's really beautiful, Shauna, about your work and, and even about the connection to our work for the 20 years of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff books, which are all about practicing life a certain way to access your, you know, positive good feelings and your mental health and well-being is that in time, this archaic system that our brains have developed and, and perhaps maybe because we needed it at a certain time in history to be more negative is, is archaic to our lives now and that, that we don't need that anymore. Like we, what we need is to be positive. What we need is to be more loving and to open ourselves to being the best version of who we are. And that's what I love so much about um, what you and Michelle are doing for the world and, and bringing these messages of and all your research. And you're just, you're just proving everything to be correct. And this is the correct way to live. And I just want to end because I know we don't have you for very much more time. 
um, with what, what would be your top three ways to practice happiness for people so that we can leave them with three really easy, simple tools to practice happiness? Well, first of all, I, I just wanted to respond to that and say that I, I feel like nothing we're coming up in positive psychology has been new. We've just been validating the brilliance of, you know, people from every major religious tradition, every ancient philosopher, all the way up through don't sweat the small stuff, right? Thank I feel you. like Thank it's you. research just confirming how right you were. Um, and so I think three of the things we found that are, are effective that you can do quickly. Um, one of them is... Um, that if your brain is feeling short-circuited today, getting focused on the negative, actually consciously redevote those resources to think about things that you're already grateful for. Not even things that are going to happen in the future, just things like I'm grateful for this coffee sitting next to me. So it woke me up today so that I can spend more time with my son. Or I'm grateful today because um, it's raining outside and we needed the rain. Or it's sunny and I it makes me remember going to summer camp, whatever it is that, that that activity, your brain can't process the negative and the positive at the same time. So your brain is now using those resources in a way that's going to turn your brain on to its highest possible level. The second thing is that the you can't sustain happiness unless you're helping other people. And so I, I would encourage you today, it doesn't have to be big. Whenever I make big goals, they don't seem to work for me. Um, I, 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 I mean, in terms of like, okay, I'm going to do 20 right. times. Small things. One small thing, like get back to somebody I wasn't planning on getting back to, or, you know, just call my sister and tell her, you know, I love her or, Mm -hmm. you know, send a text message to, you know, my little niece and, you know, and be like, Hey, you know, I hope, hope gymnastics (laughs) goes well today. Whatever it is that that small little act not only brightens their day, but it reminds me that I have control over my environment and helps bring me back to this place where I realize that whatever next action I'm about to do, my brain believes its behavior matters. So I've just primed my brain for success and happiness while making somebody else have a better day. That's why I think altruism, you know, is so important, not only for the world, but also for ourselves. Beautiful. And the last thing is, um, I think that there's meaning in our life all the time, but we forget to assign it meaning. So we have all these great moments and part of what we want people to do is to, um, is to find a way to like, reconnect to them. So what, what we have people do is just try and think each day at some point, maybe every day when you brush your teeth, think of one meaningful experience you had that day. Mine are usually about my kid or it's about something that happened at work, but just one thing that was meaningful while you're brushing your teeth. And what you've done then is you've just stamped that memory as meaningful. You've scanned your 24 hours, the past 24 hours for that positive event. So your brain is actually going to be finding more. But when you go back to whatever activity you're doing, your brain is unconsciously spending some of its resources scanning the world for the things that are positive. And and you'll start noticing these pinpricks of positivity everywhere in your life, which makes it easier to choose happiness, even when, when life is hard. Wow, that's a beautiful way to close. Thank you so much, Sean. Just tell us what your um, best the best way people can reach you at and um, the best website. Um, best way to reach me is on Facebook. Okay, and okay. Um, just my name is S-H-A-W-N-A-C-H-O-R, Shoshan Acor. And um, uh, you can find us on our website, just happinessadvantage.com. And that has links to all the research we talked about in short form today or um, uh, ways that you can just follow what's going on in positive psychology so you could be continually reaffirmed by what scientists are finding about how true how true it is that happiness is a choice. 
And also you can um, sign up for the 21 day happiness e-course with Oprah that Sean did too. It's very powerful, really wonderful and very easy to access. So Sean, thank you so much. I have enjoyed this conversation so much and I know our listeners are just gonna love it. Thank you. I loved getting to talk to you. You're, you're walking living proof of this research and I can't wait for the next time we get to do this. All right, thanks Sean. M much love to all of you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Practicing Happiness series on the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with Christine Carlson. Chris has a free gift to offer you. Do you need a daily reminder to practice happiness? You can download a beautiful free print and lock screen for your phone and computer featuring a quote from Dr. Richard Carlson. The reminder you need will be at your fingertips daily. This free gift can be found at christinecarlson.com forward slash happy. Download it now.